0: SECTION SEVENTY-EIGHT OF THE GENIUS BY THEODORE DREISER THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN BOOK THREE, CHAPTER FIVE It was after this meeting that vague consciousness came to Suzanne that Mr. Whitla, as she always thought of him to herself, was just a little more than very nice to her. He was so gentle, so meditative, and withal so gay when he was near her, he seemed fairly to bubble whenever he came into her presence, never to have any cause for depression or gloom such as sometimes seized on her when she was alone. He was always immaculately dressed, and had great affairs, so her mother said. They discussed him once at table at Daleview, and Mrs. Dale said she thought he was charming. "'He's one of the nicest fellows that comes here, I think,' said Kinroy. "'I don't like that stick, Woodward.' He was referring to another man of about Eugene's age, who admired his mother. Mrs. Whitla is such a queer little woman, said Suzanne. She's so different from Mr. Whitla. He's so gay and good natured, and she's so reserved. Is she as old as he is, Mama? I don't think so, said Mrs. Dale, who was deceived by Angela's apparent youth. What makes you ask? Oh, I just wondered, says Suzanne who was vaguely curious concerning things in connection with Eugene. There were several other meetings, one of which Eugene engineered, once when he persuaded Angela to invite Suzanne and her mother to a spring night revel they were having at the studio, and the other when he and Angela were invited to the Willebrands, where the Dales were also. Angela was always with him. Mrs. Dale was almost always with Suzanne there were a few conversations but they were merely gay inconsequent make-believe talks in which suzanne saw eugene as one who was forever happy she little discerned the brooding depths of longing that lay beneath his gay exterior the climax was brought about however when one july day after a short visit to one of the summer resorts angela was taken ill she had always been subject to colds and sore throats and these peculiar signs which are associated by medical men with latent rheumatism finally culminated in this complaint angela had also been pronounced to have a weak heart and this combined with a sudden severe rheumatic attack completely prostrated her a trained nurse had to be called and angela's sister marietta was sent for eugene's sister Myrtle who now lived in new york was asked by him to come over and take charge and under her supervision pending marietta's arrival his household went forward smoothly enough the former being a full-fledged christian scientist having been instantly cured as she asserted of a long-standing nervous complaint was for calling a christian science practitioner but eugene would have none of it he could not believe that there was anything in this new religious theory, and thought Angela needed a doctor. He sent for a specialist in her complaint. He pronounced that six weeks, at the least perhaps two months, must elapse before Angela would be able to sit up again. "'Her system is full of rheumatism,' said her physician. She is in a very bad way. Rest and quiet, and constant medication will bring her round.' Eugene was sorry. He did not want to see her suffer, but her sickness did not for one minute alter his mental attitude. In fact, he did not see how it could. It did not change their relative mental outlook in any way. Their peculiar relationship of guardian and restless ward was quite unaffected. All social functions of every kind were now abandoned, and Eugene stayed at home every evening, curious to see what the outcome would be he wanted to see how the trained nurse did her work and what the doctor thought would be the next step he had a great deal to do at all times reading consulting and many of those who wished to confer with him came to the apartment of an evening all those who knew them socially at all intimately called or sent messages of condolence and among those who came were mrs dale and suzanne the former, because Eugene had been so nice to her in a publishing way and was shortly going to bring out her first attempt at a novel, was most assiduous. She sent flowers and came often, proffering the services of Suzanne for any day that the nurse might wish to be off-duty or Myrtle could not be present. She thought Angela might like to have Suzanne read to her. At least the offer sounded courteous and was made in good faith. Suzanne did not come alone at first, but after a time when Angela had been ill four weeks and Eugene had stood the heat of the town apartment nightly, for the chance of seeing her, she did. Mrs. Dale suggested that he should run down to her place over Saturday and Sunday. It was not far. They were in close telephone communication. It would rest him. Eugene, though Angela had suggested it a number of times before, had refused to go to any seaside resort or hotel, even for Saturday and Sunday, his statement being that he did not care to go alone at this time. The truth was, he was becoming so interested in Suzanne that he did not care to go anywhere, save somewhere that he might see her again. Mrs. Dale's offer was welcome enough, but having dissembled so much, he had to dissemble more. Mrs. Dale insisted angela added her plea myrtle thought he ought to go he finally ordered the car to take him down one friday afternoon and leave him suzanne was out somewhere but he sat on the veranda and basked in the magnificent view it gave of the lower bay kinroy and some young friend together with two girls were playing tennis on one of the courts eugene went out to watch them and presently suzanne returned ruddy from a walk she had taken to a neighbor's house. At the sight of her, every nerve in Eugene's body tingled. He felt a great exultation, and it seemed as though she responded in kind, for she was particularly gay and laughing. ''They have a four, she called to him, her white duck-skirt blowing. ''Let's you and I get rackets and play single.'' ''I'm not very good, you know,'' he said. ''You couldn't be worse than I am,'' she replied. I'm so bad. Kinroy won't let me play in any game with him. Ha! <laughs> Such being the case, Eugene said lightly, and followed her to get the rackets. They went to the second court where they played practically unheeded. Every hit was a signal for congratulation on the part of one or the other. Every miss for a burst of laughter or a jest. Eugene devoured Suzanne with his eyes, and she looked at him continually in wide-eyed sweetness, scarcely knowing what she was doing. Her own hilarity on this occasion was almost inexplicable to her. It seemed as though she was possessed of some spirit of joy which she couldn't control. She confessed to him afterward that she had been wildly glad, exalted, and played with freedom and abandon, though at the same time she was frightened and nervous. To Eugene she was, of course, ravishing to behold. She could not play, as she truly said, but it made no difference. Her motions were beautiful. Mrs. Dale had long admired Eugene's youthful spirit. She watched him now from one of the windows, and thought of him much as one might of a boy. He and Suzanne looked charming, playing together. It occurred to her that if he were single, he would not make a bad match for her daughter. Fortunately, he was sane, prudent, charming. More like a guardian to Suzanne than anything else, her friendship for him was rather a healthy sign. After dinner, it was proposed by Kenroy that he and his friends and Suzanne go to a dance, which was being given at a clubhouse near the government fortifications at the Narrows, where they spread out into the lower bay. Mrs. Dale... Not wishing to exclude Eugene, who was depressed at the thought of Suzanne's going and leaving him behind, suggested that they all go. She did not care so much for dancing herself, but Suzanne had no partner, and Kinroy and his friend were very much interested in the girls they were taking. A car was called, and they sped to the club to find it dimly lighted with Chinese lanterns and an orchestra playing softly in the gloom. ''Now you go ahead and dance,'' said her mother to Suzanne. ''I want to sit out here and look at the water a while. I'll watch you through the door.'' Eugene held out his hand to Suzanne, who took it, and in a moment they were whirling round. A kind of madness seized them both, for without a word or look they drew close to each other and danced furiously in a clinging ecstasy of joy. ''Oh, how lovely!'' Suzanne exclaimed at one turn of the room where passing an open door they looked out and saw a full-lighted ship passing silently by in the distant dark a sailboat its one great sail enveloped in a shadowy quiet floated wraith-like nearer still do scenes like that appeal to you so asked eugene oh they do she pulsated they take my breath away this does too it's so lovely eugene sighed he understood now never he said to himself was the soul of an artist so akin to his own and so enveloped in beauty the same thirst for beauty that was in him was in her and it was pulling her to him only her soul was so exquisitely set in youth and beauty and maidenhood that it overawed and frightened him it seemed impossible that she should ever love him these eyes this face of hers how they enchanted him he was drawn as by a strong cord, and so was she by an immense, terrible magnetism. He had felt it all the afternoon, keenly. He was feeling it intensely now. He pressed her to his bosom, and she yielded, yearningly, suiting her motions to his subtlest moods. He wanted to exclaim, Oh, Suzanne, oh, Suzanne, but he was afraid. If he said anything to her, it would frighten her she did not really dream as yet what it all meant you know he said when the music stopped i'm quite beside myself it's narcotic i feel like a boy oh if they would only go on was all she said and together they went out on the veranda where there were no lights but only chairs and the countless stars well said mrs dale "'I'm afraid you don't love to dance as well as I do,' observed Eugene calmly, sitting down beside her. "'I'm afraid I don't, seeing how joyously you do it. I've been watching you. You two dance well together. Kinroy, won't you have them bring us ices?' Suzanne had slipped away to the side of her brother's friends. She talked to them cheerily, the while Eugene watched her. BUT SHE WAS INTENSELY CONSCIOUS OF HIS PRESENCE AND CHARM. SHE TRIED TO THINK WHAT SHE WAS DOING, BUT SOMEHOW SHE COULD NOT. SHE COULD ONLY FEEL. THE MUSIC STRUCK UP AGAIN, AND FOR LOOK'S SAKE, HE LET HER DANCE WITH HER BROTHER'S FRIEND. THE NEXT WAS HIS, AND THE NEXT, FOR KINROY PREFERRED TO SIT OUT ONE, AND HIS FRIEND ALSO. SUZANNE AND Eugene DANCED THE MAJOR PORTIONS OF THE DANCES TOGETHER, GROWING INTO A WILD EXALTATION which, however, was wordless, except for a certain eagerness which might have been read into what they said. Their hands spoke when they touched, and their eyes when they met. Suzanne was intensely shy and fearsome. She was really half terrified by what she was doing, afraid least some word or thought would escape Eugene, and she wanted to dwell in the joy of this. He went once between two dances when she was hanging over the rail, looking at the dark, gurgling water below, and leaned over beside her. "'How wonderful this night is!' he said. "'Yes, yes!' she exclaimed, and looked away. "'Do you wonder at all at the mystery of life?' "'Oh, yes, oh, yes, all the time.' "'And you are so young!' he said passionately, intensely. "'Sometimes you know Mr. Whitler,' she sighed. "'I do not like to think.' "'Why?' "'Oh, I don't know. "'I just can't tell you. "'I can't find the words. "'I don't know.'" There was an intense pathos in her phrasing which meant everything to his understanding. He understood how voiceless a great soul really might be, newborn, without an earth-manufactured vocabulary. It gave him a clearer insight into a thought he had had for a long while, and that was that we came AS WORDSWORTH EXPRESSED IT, TRAILING CLOUDS OF GLORY, BUT FROM WHERE? HER SOUL MUST BE INTENSELY WISE, ELSE WHY IS YEARNING TO HER? BUT OH, THE PATHOS OF HER VOICELESSNESS. THEY WENT HOME IN THE CAR, AND LATE THAT NIGHT, WHILE HE WAS SITTING ON THE VERANDA, SMOKING, TO soothe HIS FEVERED BRAIN, THERE WAS ONE OTHER SCENE. THE NIGHT WAS INTENSELY WARM EVERYWHERE, EXCEPT ON THIS HILL where a cool breeze was blowing the ships on the sea and bay were many twinkling little lights and the stars in the sky were as a great army see how the floor of heaven is thick inlaid with patines of bright gold he quoted to himself a door opened and suzanne came out of the library which opened onto the veranda he had not expected to see her again nor she him the beauty of the night had drawn her. "'Suzanne,' he said, when the door opened. She looked at him, poised in uncertainty, her lovely white face glowing, like a pale phosphorescent light in the dark. "'Isn't it beautiful out here? Come, sit down.' "'No,' she said. "'I mustn't stay. It is so beautiful.' She looked about her vaguely, nervously, and then at him. "'Oh, that breeze!' She turned up her nose and sniffed eagerly. ''The music is still whirling in my head,'' he said, coming to her. ''I cannot get over it tonight,'' he spoke softly, almost in a whisper, and threw his cigar away. Suzanne's voice was low. She looked at him and filled her deep, broad chest with air. ''Oh,'' she sighed, throwing back her head, her neck curving divinely. ''One more dance,'' he said taking her right hand and putting his left upon her waist. She did not retreat from him, but looked half-distraight, half-entranced in his eyes. Without music? she asked. She was almost trembling. You are music, he replied, her intense sense of suffocation seizing him. They moved a few paces to the left, where there were no windows and where no one could see. He drew her close to him and looked into her face. But still, he did not dare say what he thought. They moved about softly, and then she gurgled that soft laugh that had entranced him from the first. "'What would people think?' she asked. They walked to the railing, he still holding her hand, and then she withdrew it. He was conscious of a great danger, of jeopardizing a wonderfully blissful relationship, and finally said, "'Perhaps we had better go.' "'Yes,' she said.' MAMA WOULD BE GREATLY DISTURBED IF SHE KNEW THIS. SHE WALKED AHEAD OF HIM TO THE DOOR. GOOD NIGHT, SHE WHISPERED. GOOD NIGHT, HE SIGHED. HE WENT BACK TO HIS CHAIR AND MEDITATED ON THE COURSE HE WAS PURSUING. THIS WAS A TERRIBLE RISK. SHOULD HE GO ON? THE FLOWER-LIKE FACE OF Suzanne CAME BACK TO HIM. HER SUPPLE BODY, HER WONDROUS GRACE AND BEAUTY. OH, PERHAPS NOT, BUT WHAT A LOSS! What a lure to have flaunted in front of his eyes. Were there ever thoughts and feelings like this in so young a body? Never, never, never had he seen her like. Never in all his experience had he seen anything so exquisite. She was like the budding woods in spring, like little white and blue flowers growing. If life now, for once, would only be kind and give him her. Oh, Suzanne, Suzanne, he breathed to himself, lingering over the name. For a fourth or fifth time, Eugene was imagining himself to be terribly, eagerly, fearsomely in love. End of section 78